Let's look together at James 5, 19 to 20. And as I've worked my way through this passage, just trying to attend to its details with its implications for life and doctrine, I see about six important things here that if you go slow enough, I think you would all see. I'm sure you'd see more, in fact, since there's such a diversity of you. And the sixth one we're going to find is so explosive and controversial we'll need another session on it. So we'll, we'll take two sessions on James 5, 19 to 20. Lord, open our hearts' eyes and our minds to see what's here and to experience its impact that James intended on our lives for the glory of Christ and for the good of the people we know and even those we don't. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from the wandering, from his wandering, will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. My brothers, if you do a little concordance search, I think that's one of the most valuable things you can do is look up not just words, but sometimes phrases. That phrase, my brothers, occurs eight times in this letter, which is striking there are another seven times that he just uses brothers. It's striking because in all of Paul's letters, he uses my brothers eight times. So that's 13 letters. And here you have one letter, and he's using it eight times. And so that signaled for me that James, even though he's not writing to a particular church, if you go back to chapter 1, verse 1, he's just writing to, uh, he says, the 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 dispersion, that means Christians scattered all over the empire, he's loving them as brothers. And this is such, I just think stopping to linger on such things is worth it every now and then. Do we have an orientation that wherever Christians are, they are family to us, they are brothers to us? That's really staggering. It was in the first century remarkable that Christ established a family everywhere he was believed in. My brothers, my brothers, personally, if anyone among you, among you, wanders from the truth. So the second thing to notice is this, this word you here. If someone wanders from the truth, don't jump to the conclusion immediately that they are not believers because this is among you. See how, how important that is? If, if anyone among you, my brothers, wanders. So if you see someone wandering, if you read about someone wandering, earnestly intercede for a brother. Don't, don't just jump to the conclusion, they, well, they're not brothers how they respond to 
of being brought back, that is what will determine whether they're brothers or not. If they respond a certain kind of way, they will prove not to have been in this category, but James is giving them the benefit of the doubt here. So let's do that with the people we see wandering and then join in the pursuit. If anyone among you wanders from the truth, you can wander from the truth either by a doctrine going wrong or just not believing it anymore, so a doctrinal and a belief issue, or a, a behavioral issue. There is a behavior that corresponds to the truth. You can see that, for example, here in Paul's letter to the Galatians, when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. So conduct can be out of step with the truth of the gospel. And so you come back here and you see they're wandering from the truth. Well, that might be they're not believing all the truth of the gospel, all the truth of the apostolic teaching, or it might mean they say they believe it, and maybe they are believing it, and they're wandering into behaviors. Perhaps they're starting to be dishonest, or they're starting to act in a proud way, or they're starting to look at pornography, or they're getting involved in an adulterous relationship. Or There's a hundred ways you can walk away from the life that the truth implies. So, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders either in doctrine or in behavior from the truth, and someone, so this is now, if you're not a wanderer, I hope this is you, and if there, if you are a wanderer, I hope someone near you is doing this, maybe I'm doing it right now, and someone brings him back. So, human beings are used by God to keep his people. We're going to see that more clearly here in just a moment. But don't miss that. People bring back sinners from the way. God is the great shepherd, but he uses under-shepherds. He uses his people, not just pastors, but ordinary friends, to go out after somebody and bring them back. Let him know. Who's the him here? Who is this? I, I don't know. <laughs> it could be the uh, someone. I suspect it is. Could be that person, or it could be this person. Could be let the person who's been brought back or is being brought back know that um, whoever brings back a sinner from the wandering of his. From, the, from his wandering, will save his soul from death and, and will cover a multitude of sins. So let the person who's been brought back know, look, look what's happened to you. You've been rescued. Your soul has been rescued. Now your sins are being covered. Or it could be, what a great work you are doing. Continue on. Be encouraged to go out after the people who are wandering. So whoever this is here, whether it's the one rescuing or the one being rescued, it has a good function either in producing gratitude here or encouragement here. So let him know, let it be known to everybody that's relevant here in the situation, let it be known that whoever 
And this, this person here, whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering, does that word bother you? A few years ago, we had a big, no, not a big, a little controversy because a guest speaker came to our church and made the claim that you shouldn't ever call Christians sinners because they are now saints who sin rather than sinners who are saints. And I stumbled over that. Uh, in the Apostle Paul, that's almost universally true. Not, not quite, I think, because in, in 1 Timothy 1, is it 1? Yes, 1.15, Paul says he is, not just was, the chief of sinners. But most of the time, Paul is using the word sinners to refer to non-Christians and, and calling the Christian saints. The word saints never occurs in the book of James. And here, this person is clearly, isn't he? Clearly a Christian. Clearly, he's referring to brothers. So, sinner here refers to... Uh, the one who is him, right, who brings him back. He, he's the sinner. And the him here is the anyone here, if anyone among you wanders. And then the you here is the brothers. So if you, you make your way back, this is why following the train of thought is so crucial. This sinner is this one who's being brought back. This one who's being brought back is this anyone who's wandering. This anyone who's wandering is among you who are the brothers. And therefore, sinner in the mouth of James is a Christian. At least he's a professing Christian and he's treating him as a Christian. And so it's not wrong to call Christians or yourself, I am a sinner saved by grace. But I do take seriously the caution, since Paul almost always calls us saints and rarely calls us sinners, the note should be struck very heavily. We are new in Christ, and sinning is not our most fundamental identity anymore. And the last thing I'd point out here this time is what's at stake in bringing back a sinner from his wandering? What's at stake? And the answer is saving his soul from death, saving his soul from death. And what does that involve? Why would it cover a multitude of sins? I mean, he's just wandering. He's got, he's got one issue that you're spotting here, right? He's, he's departing from the doctrine or he's departing in some kind of illicit behavior and this talks about a multitude of sins. Well, it's because if you bring him back from the wandering of the truth, you bring him back into the truth of the gospel, and only in the truth of the gospel are all of our sins covered. That's the issue. That's why his soul is saved, is because you are being used. This person right here is being used to bring back a, a sinner from running away from the gospel, either in life or doctrine, and outside the gospel there is no covering for a multitude of sins and no salvation for the soul, and therefore in bringing him back, his soul is saved and his sins are forgiven, covered. Now, that raises the question that we're going to look at next time of what if he hadn't come back? What if 
this person's efforts to bring him back failed, and he went off and was an unbeliever the rest of his life, would he be saved? In other words, how does this relate to the doctrine of eternal security?